Hi, I am Katina Horton, the Love and Freedom Toxic Relationship Recovery Coach. And today's topic is how our vulnerability creates us as a target for the Python spirit. And once again, how our vulnerability makes us a target for the Python spirit, right? And so before we get into the message, I just want to remind you that we do the ATI-I method, right? That means we're analyzing, we're troubleshooting, we're implementing, we're empowering, and we're impacting. And who are we impacting? All of the women that's in our homes, our communities, and the world, right? So if anything that's said in this message is of value to you, I would love for you to be able to hit that like button and to share it with uh, your mom, your dad, whoever else it is, who you feel might be impacted by this message. It can be other sisters and brothers in Christ, your friends, co-workers, uh, et cetera, et cetera, right? And so we're going to get right into the message, how our vulnerability sets us up as a target for the Python spirit, right? So Python snakes, when you think about them, right? Just snakes in general. When you think about snakes, snakes are in places where snakes usually uh, congregate, so to speak, right? When you see a snake, it's not like you see the snake and you go, oh, I'm surprised that that was here. Snakes are usually where? In gardens. They hang out inside of caves, right? And they're also in a lot of areas where it's new development. Because remember, before those uh, developments took place for those different uh, homes and townhomes and that type of thing, it was nothing but like a wilderness area, right? So snakes hang out a lot of times around ponds, inside and around ponds, right? And in these open area uh, spaces of new development, all of a sudden you might see a snake. And I remember years ago when my children were little and I was homeschooling the two of them, and then I had their uh, two cousins who were twins and we're sitting at the table, right? So I had four children who were nine and under at the time and I'm deep into teaching Bible study. And all of a sudden my daughter's like, it's a snake outside. So I'm thinking that she said that just to kind of like distract from the class because she was always a one and still is a one that's a jokester, right? So I'm just like, yeah, yeah, okay. And she was like, no, for real, it's a snake outside. So I don't know what made me turn around and actually look off the deck. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. And I see this black and yellow snake and it's just slithering around uh, my neighbor who lived like behind me, so to speak. Right. Uh, like right behind his garage. And I was like, oh, my goodness, I cannot believe that. And then I kind of got nervous about going outside because I'm like, OK, if I'm taking the shortcut <laughs> to walk to the bus or whatnot, am I going to be confronted with a snake? You see what I'm saying? But it was not too long after we had moved there, which, like I said, it was new development. And so what happens is we oftentimes will move on to land that's already been inhabited by animals. Right. So snakes are not anywhere that we wouldn't expect to see them. Right. And it's the same thing when it happens, uh, just so happens to be with people. And that's social media, right? Hanging out in our DMs, commenting on different graphic posts and memes that we put out there, right? Text messages, uh, business relationships where we're receiving emails, right? In our churches, on our jobs, in our families, in our marriages, unfortunately, and other romantic relationships and even in friendships. So we can find snakes everywhere. And like I said, snakes are going to be where snakes usually hang out. It's just that sometimes you're just not going to know they're a snake until it's too late, right? And then sometimes, as we've talked about this before, that person's countenance has changed. We've made the choice to ignore it. And then what ends up happening is who knows how long between their countenance changing and them attacking us, you know, that that takes place, right? But the snake side is going to eventually come out but we've ignored the countenance changing, right? And then what happens usually in between the countenance changing and the attack, the Holy Spirit has been prompting us and letting us know, been giving us clues. There's something going on with this person. And if we don't stop, right? And take that be still and no moment, as I talk about all the time, 
So we can have that come to Jesus moment slash revelation. We're going to end up missing out, right? We ignore our intuition. We ignore the promptings of the Holy Spirit. We're going to end up missing out on some pertinent information that God is trying to give to us about the individuals that we are in relationship with. And then later we're going to say, wow, I didn't even see that coming. And then you start thinking about it. And this is like, duh, you did see it coming. You chose to ignore. You didn't stop and try to figure out what is going on here. Why is this person staring at me? This person who says they love me, why are they staring at me like this? Why are they looking at me like I've got three heads going on? And because you didn't stop and then you did, you ended up ignoring the promptings of the Holy Spirit after that. Then you've got a whole possible ghetto situation going on that did not have to take place if you'd only stopped, right? And so with pythons, the one thing about pythons is that we encounter them. We become a magnet, so to speak, I would say, for the python spirit because of our vulnerability. Just point blank and simple, right? And so the first type of vulnerability is father wounds. So if you have uh, your father have abandoned you any time in your childhood, that could be as a small child, it could be as a teenager, that type of thing, right? So if you've been abandoned by your father and or your father was in the home, but he was emotionally unavailable slash detached from you, right? And so your love attachment style might possibly be uh, anxious attachment style where it's this situation where sometimes you feel secure with your parents and sometimes you don't, which then you take it and transfer it over to every other relationship you're in. That's how anxious attachment works, right? And then sometimes we can switch attachment styles depending on the people we're in a relationship with. Because some people can make us feel so relaxed that we have a secure attachment with them, but anxious attachment style in other relationships. And we can also have what they call a uh, fearful avoidant attachment style, which also is known as disorganized. And that's that push and pull attachment style that comes from having uh, being neglected and having severe abuse and uh, PTSD and other forms of trauma. And it's like, you need your parents for survival, but then you don't trust them at the same time for that particular attachment style, right? And so if you have father wounds and then someone uh, reaches out to you via social media, right? And they slide on into your DMs and they start saying, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. And they do this every day for a month and you are starving and craving for attention. And remember part of the lack cycle, right? That four part lack cycle of love, approval, comfort, and knowledge addiction. You've already gone around because of your father wounds with love and approval addiction. That's what the seed of rejection places inside of your soul, right? So someone is every single day, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Uh, how was your morning? you know, in the afternoon and then the evening, how was your afternoon? And then the evening, how was your day? And they checking in with you 24 seven, you go into the show, you know, you start uh, hanging out with them and you go into the show uh, on the weekends, you're going to the beach, you're going to the movie theaters, outside of work, you are spending 24 seven with this person all day long in person, as well as via email, uh, text messaging, DMs, etc. Right. And so this is like rocking your world. You don't realize that your vulnerability of those father wounds, those seeds being inside of your soul has just opened you up for the Python uh, spirit. Because the next thing you know, what happens is that he tells you one traumatic event that happened to him with his family. And then when he's telling you that he's all out on the floor, he's crying the crocodile tears, he's laid out and rolling out on the floor, making a big old dramatic scene. And then you're thinking, wow, he's so vulnerable. I've never met a man like this before. He's really open. So then in turn, you have known him anytime, right? After that month or two, you've told him every traumatic event that has ever happened to you and every family member, <laughs> every person that's in your family. So he's told you one thing, maybe even two, just to kind of pull you in and to totally disarm you, right? Plus the good morning, 
good afternoon, good evening, and asking about your day. All of that is part of this love bombing, right? It's all part of grooming. And remember, love bombing is when one person, <laughs> they are uh, worshiping another person with the sole purpose of grooming them for abuse. That's what love bombing is, just plain and simple, right? So all of that good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and checking to see how it is you're doing, that's all part of grooming you for abuse, right? And all of that letting you know about his traumatic uh, family event, maybe one or two he'll tell you at the most. And next thing you know, you feel that obligation is coming in, right? Oh, I got to tell him something. So instead of telling him one thing, you've gone on and told him the whole family history in no time. You guys have stayed up on the phone all night long and you feel like, okay, this is my soulmate, right? And so what happens, especially after he's done the whole performance, you feel like there's no way that you can end that conversation and not tell your business as well, right? So you're trauma bonded because he shared his trauma, right? And his toxic uh, spiritual and emotional energy is there. He has shared his trauma. You have shared your trauma, right? You guys are trauma bonded, right? Okay, so then what happens is he convinces you, just like Satan did with Jesus in the wilderness, he convinces you uh, to give away your body, so to speak, right? And so then once you give your blessing away to him, then you become soul tied to him. So now you, not only are you trauma bonded, but now you're soul tied to him. So you're trauma bonded and you're soul tied to him, right? And he's your drug now, right? He is your drug and you don't even realize it, right? Because you have idolized this individual. You've put this individual uh, way up above God and you don't even realize it, right? And so what happens, he becomes your drug. And because you're high off of him, the next thing you know, you start going and buying him all kind of things that you've never bought anyone before. I mean, you Christmas times comes and then you're buying 30, 40, 50 gifts for him, right? For him to put up under his tree. Because what happened? That love bombing energy is so toxic, right? It's so toxic and in, uh, how would I say? It's intoxicating. And at the same time, it makes you feel like you're under a spell. So that energy was so strong that it made you, you basically drunk off of the energy, if that makes sense, right? So like if a person is drunk, they become free hearted. Not only are they going to buy themselves drinks, they're going to get everybody in the room, everybody in the bar. You want a drink? You want one too? Okay, I got you, brother. I got you, sister. You want one too? They free hearted. They're buying everybody drinks, right? Once a person is high and that energy gets into them and it opens them up to other spirits for their uh, mind, body, soul, and spirit, they start to become extremely free hearted. And so the next thing you know, you're buying him all of this stuff, things that, and you're not even checking in with yourself like, okay, I'm doing stuff that I've never done before. Why? You're not checking in, right? Because you're high. He is your drug. Remember that, right? And so then what happens is after you've done all of that, he knows I can safely go into the devaluation phase, right? So he goes into the devaluation phase, right? And this is where the Python spirit comes in because Python snakes, what they do they attack their victims with their mouths, right? They get a hold of them with the mouth and then they wrap around their bodies and suck the life out of them, right? So when it comes to being in a relationship with a narcissistic individual, it's a slow burn of wrapping around you unless you are transitional supply. Now remember, transitional supply means your sole purpose is to be an emotional regulator slash supply for the narcissistic man just so he can get over a major life transition, okay? Whatever major life transition he's going through, that's the purpose you're serving. And in that case, you're going to feel like you've had whiplash, right? But with the Python spirit, the way they get you is they grab on with the mouth, right? To kind of like destabilize, and I guess I would say to... Uh, immobilize you, then they wrap around. You see what I'm saying? They wrap their body around you, uh, around your body, okay? Or any of its victims, animals, whatever is out there, okay? So what happens is you're in a devaluation uh, phase. And so he starts belittling you, 
gaslighting you, blame shifting, word salad, deflecting, judging, criticizing, condemning. I mean, just on and on and on. And then also devaluing every person, place, thing, or idea that you devalue. Okay. And with this devaluation, what he's hoping is that you would go from, uh, when it comes to the Python spirit, that you're going from the devaluation in general, I should say. What the narcissist wants to do, right, is to take you from uh, that spirit of sonship to an orphan spirit, right? To make you seem, to, he wants to isolate you and make you seem like you're on an island all by yourself. And part of the way that uh, the narcissistic spirit does that is that they start judging and criticizing and devaluing every person, place, thing, or idea, right, that you value. And in turn, because of that, uh, the toxic spiritual and emotional energy that's bleeding out from them, you become fused to them and then you devalue those things and then you isolate yourself, especially when it's a covert narcissist. If it's overt, they just would naturally out loud, I don't want you with that person. Now, now you, you, you don't need to be hanging around that group of women. They bad for you. But if it's a covert, they're just going to keep devaluing every person, place, thing, and or idea that you value until you are on the same page and you become fused to them, if that makes sense, right? And so what happens is that the devaluation is a long, slow burn. So think about the devaluation basically as the uh, snake putting their, wrapping their body around your body. And slowly, however the length of time of the relationship is, they are slowly sucking the life out of you, right? And then when it comes to the discard phase, that could actually go on for a while. The discard phase is not usually as long as the devaluation phase. And the reason being is by the time you've gotten to the discard phase, you find out through certain signs and symptoms that they have a new supply and they've been cheating with that new supply for a while now. It could be a few months. It could be a whole year. It could be two years that women have discovered later on after leaving that narcissistic abuse cycle that they uh, that their ex-narcissistic partner had already had a new supply uh, <laughs> installed and in place, right? had already powered it up into the computer, so to speak, right? And so, uh, but you just didn't know about it. So that's the first way that uh, our vulnerability makes us a good target, I guess I would say, for the Python spirit. The second way is via distractions. You're getting ready for church. You're getting ready to read your Bible. You're getting ready to pray. You're getting ready to meet up with your uh, Bible study group, right? You're getting ready to go into your own personal worship time of praise, dancing, and all of that, right? The Python spirits sends different people to call you up, talking about all kind of foolishness, degrading and devaluing you and belittling you, just starting up mess. Now, you know how it is. If it's any other time that a person is going to call you, it's going to be when you're getting ready to do the things of the Lord. So the Python spirit helps to serve as distractions, just doing little bitty things here and there to get under your skin and then hope that in turn that they will have destroyed what it is you set out to do. And nine times out of 10, that's probably what's going to happen because you know what you're going to do? You're going to say, well, forget it. I was in the mood to read my Bible, but you know what? You know, you get the stuff they say, it goes in your head, right? It goes in your mind. You kind of chew on it. And then those thoughts bring about certain emotions, right? And then those emotions send you to certain behavior unless you catch it and cut it off. So then after they've said whatever it is they said, they put you in a bad mood. And so the next thing you know, you're like, forget it. I'm just not going to even read my Bible now. I'm so sick and tired of this, right? And so then it's the same, like I said, whether it's Bible reading, prayer, worship time, going to church, going to your Bible study group, all it takes is for you to get a, a phone call, somebody to comment out there on social media, to DM you, to text you, to email you, or even for somebody to just pop by your house without any warning and to get you so revved up. You know what? I ain't going to church now. 
And that's just where the devil wants you. He wants to get in and not even to get a foothold. He wants to get a toehold, literally, and figured if he can get a toehold, right, and get inside of your mind, which is a battlefield, right, he's got you. Like, ah, see, look, look at what I stopped her from doing. Look at what I stopped him from doing. You see what I'm saying? So the Python spirit comes in through distractions. Just start noticing as soon as you get ready to do something, notice when you're going to get distracted. Notice who's calling you. Notice what kind of mess it is that they're talking about, right? And trying to triangulate you with. You're trying to fill yourself up with the word of God. They're trying to fill you up with judging, criticizing, condemnation, right? And so what happens is, um, like I said, you're left with going like, well, you know what? I don't feel like doing it. And so then what happens over time, you get several of these, right? Every time you get ready to read your word, every time you get ready to pray, every time you get ready to go to church, every time you get ready to go to Bible study groups. So then what? It's easier for you just not to go and to get sucked in. But that's exactly what that spirit wants you to do, right? Because what happens is if you're not feeding yourself, and your connection time with God, who you've got the relationship with, right? And other godly people, then what happens is you go into your own disconnection cycle, right? And that disconnection cycle means what? You are in that lack cycle of addiction, right? Love, approval, comfort, and knowledge addictions. You're just going round and round in a circle. And when you're in that disconnection cycle, remember, you are taking people, places, things, or ideas, and you're sticking them on the hamster wheel and you're striving and hustling for self-worth. And that's taking the place of you being able to feel the feelings that you need to be able to feel, right? And to take care of yourself. And so instead of taking care of yourself, what you do is that you abandon self during that disconnection period. You don't stop and say, self, what do you need? Mind, body, soul, and spirit. What do I need to give you? You don't stop and say, come, Holy Spirit, help me, you know, because this has happened. What do I need to do? And that way, maybe if you stop, then you can get some self-awareness there and say, you know what? Every time I get ready to pray, he's calling me. Every time I get ready to go to small group, this is happening. You know what I'm saying? They're putting these comments out there. Maybe I don't need to even check the comments out on Facebook or a TikTok or whatever, before I go do what it is I need to do. Maybe I need to shut it down. Once you go in disconnection mode, once you go into reactive mode, instead of responding, you're not going to be able to have time to even think about the patterns of behavior that keeps you in that cycle. You understand what I'm saying? And so what happens is once you get into that disconnection cycle, which is the lack cycle of addictions, right? The lack cycle of addiction gives you a false sense of safety and security. You start feeling like this calmness, but it's a false sense of safety and security. And it's a calmness because the addictions kind of give you a relaxed feeling in your nervous system. But it's not a good thing. You see what I'm saying? It's not that peace that, come, that surpasses all understanding that comes from the Holy Spirit. It's that false peace, right? And that false peace means that you are riding off of not having a conflict, right? Basically means you're sweeping everything under the rug and you're sweeping it under the rug with the lack cycle of addiction during these disconnection cycles, right? As you're hustling for self-worth, right? And you're thinking this is going to do it. Just to let you know, these distractions are serving as that python snake, right? Slowly and or quickly, sucking the life out of you. Now, Paul and Silas, they had to deal with distractions with the Python spirit when they were on their way to go and pray, right? They were dealing with that. And this is over in Acts, the uh, 16th chapter, when they were dealing with the Python spirit. I'm just going to read. Hold on just a second. My sinuses have started, of, of course. Once as we were on our way to prayer, a slave girl met us who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She made a large profit for her owners by fortune telling. As she followed Paul and us, she cried out, these men who are proclaiming you the way of salvation are the servants of the most high God. She did this for many days. Paul was greatly annoyed. Turning to the spirit, he said, 
I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out right away. When her owners realized that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities, bringing them before the chief magistrates. They said, these men are seriously disturbing our city. They're Jews and they're promoting customs that's not legal for us as Romans to adopt or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against them and the chief magistrates stripped off their clothes and ordered them to be beaten with rods. And after they had severely flogged them, they threw them in jail, ordering the jailer to guard them carefully. Receiving such an order, he put them into the inner prison and secured their feet in the stocks. So that's something, isn't it? So they ended up having this slave girl chasing them. And this slave girl had the python spirit and kept repeating the same thing over and over. It was a distraction, right? A di distraction from them going to uh, their house of prayer, so to speak, right? Or to meet up wherever they were going uh, to meet up with other sisters and brothers in Christ, Paul and Silas, to go pray. She just kept on and on and on saying the same thing. And it's just like that email, that comment on social media, right? In your DMs, the text messages, the phone calls, all kind of mess. And you trying to just serve God. You see what I'm saying? And it was the same thing with them. And so what happens for some reason, prophetic people and people who are anointed in certain areas, they become a magnet for the Python spirit. So not only was she a, a, a distraction for Paul and Silas and trying to pull them from the things of the Lord, that spirit in her, that spirit of Python, that divination spirit was attracted to the fact that they were prophetic apostles, right? And so for some reason, the Jezebel and the Python spirits love messing with people of God, right? And their main goal, remember this, they want to destroy your calling, okay? So let me tell you about what happened to me uh, that was kind of tripped out. I had this to happen probably like almost a year ago, right? I ended up uh, having a Zoom call with the person who uh, was seeking me out to come on their show. And so that means that I'm providing a service, right? And so we're talking, she starts talking about uh, the different things that were going to happen, you know, on the show. And I'm just, you know, kind of sitting and taking the information in. So then I noticed that this kind of energy was coming out from her. And it was kind of like slow at first. And then it was getting stronger and stronger. And then we're like on Zoom now. And I'm just thinking to myself, my God, what is this? And it was like overwhelming. Okay. Didn't realize at the time that this woman had the Python spirit on her. Okay. I know it now. It was overwhelming, the energy that was coming out. And the more words she spoke, and remember that Python snake grabs you with their mouth then they wrap their bodies around you and suck the life out of you, right? So the more she talked, the more energy that was coming out of her mouth, and then the smaller and smaller I became, right? And so I'm trying to hurry up and finish up, you know, and I'm letting her know, it's like, okay, she wanted me to be on her show, but I let, and then also to pay a whole lot of money to do it. And it's like, so wait a minute, I'm just making sure I've got this, I'm understanding this correctly. You want me to come on your show, right? You need me to come on there and serve your audience to make an impact for the kingdom. Yes, okay. You're also wanting me to pay a whole lot of money to come on there, right? To talk to your people and make an impact. Yes. And I said, well, see, I, I don't do that. That's part of what I don't do. And we all have different boundaries when it comes to speaking and whatever it is that we do, right? So I expressed to, this to her. And so she went on rambling on and on and on, name dropping about all of the different people that she knew and hollering out all of these different figures of what she had done and saying that that was necessary in order to come on her show about all these different numbers. And I said, huh, this is really different. I've never in my life <laughs> been on anyone's show. And they want to know all the figures and all of this kind of thing. I said, some of that is just personal. That's not even, that's stuff, that, information that you just don't even give out. 
And she just went on and on between the name dropping and the figures. And the energy is getting thicker and thicker and thicker. I mean, it's just like, like I said, I'm just, I'm, I'm just getting smaller and smaller. And I'm just like, what is going on? The bragging, she was overinflating herself like narcissistic people do, right? This overinflated ego. And like I said, it was just coming out. We got off of that Zoom session, which was only about 20 minutes. I literally had to take my hand, put it on my forehead, take the other hand, put it over my heart, literally start praying Psalm 91, then Ephesians 6, 12 through 18 to put that whole armor on me in Psalm 91 and have that angelic protection. And then in the name, ended it with in the name of Jesus to have that Python spirit to come off of me. You see what I'm saying? But it was so strong. And I know, thank God, that he uh, delivered quickly, got that off of me. I know now whenever somebody's energy is that strong like that, with the way it came out with her, boom. No matter what it is I have to, to make up and tell them, I'm coming off of that line. This is just, this not working out and come off of it. Like I said, thank God that it wasn't worse than what it was. But that's the other thing that I realized. So her doing that actually set up the stage for when someone else contacted me and I saw uh, certain bits and pieces and my spirit said, watch them. Just, just watch them because something's not quite right. There's some kind of brokenness there because once again, it was rambling on and on about numbers and figures and that type of thing. And the funny thing about it is that when it happened that first time with the particular lady I told you that I was on the Zoom session with, and I went and looked up her information, just out of curiosity, some told me it was way overinflated, and it was. You see what I'm saying? So a lot of times this energy, this overinflation of self and name dropping and constant numbers and figures, that's them wrapping themselves around you slowly and trying to suck the life out of you. And I mean, I literally have never had anything that strong to happen to me ever until that particular time with that woman. And the other thing that alarmed me is that uh, she mentioned about witches coming on to uh, coming on to her show. So even if my boundary was not set for me paying people to come on there, you need me, but you want me to pay you to come on there to impact and serve your audience. Even if that was not my boundary, the fact that witches are coming on and talking about this kind of thing. That's also letting me know I don't want to be associated with that, right? That's not something that's for me. And we all know who our audience is for, right? Who we have been uh, created, right? And called to impact as our mission field. That wouldn't have been one thing that I wouldn't have wanted anyway, even if I had not discerned those spirits on her. Okay. And so, like I said, uh, I just, as a forewarning, if you ever in a situation like that, where you just become extremely overwhelmed and you're feeling like you're getting smaller and smaller as the person's words are talking, that means they've got that Python spirit on them. And that's one way that I've seen it come out. Right. And so the woman with the Python spirit, she felt like, OK, if I can distract Paul and Silas and get them uh, not to go into the house of prayer, I got them. And then she was hoping because like with that woman. That woman was hoping to do two things, right? Which goes right back to what happened with Paul and Silas, okay? That woman was hoping to get Paul and Silas's attention, right? So they can be like, oh, wow, she said we're, we're men of God. So she was hoping to get their attention because of her giving prophetic words, so to speak, right? Through this Python spirit slash spirit of divination. She was hoping to get their attention so that as soon as they paid attention to her in that sense, their souls and spirits would have been opened up to what it was that she was doing. In turn, she would have sucked the life out of them instead of just annoying them, right? And at the same time, she was hoping that what she said to them, because of her thinking, is this is prophetic word, the people who are in charge of me would be making money off of fortune telling. So it's the same situation that happened with me with this lady, okay? So she's hoping with all those words coming out of her mouth, she's got me. She's clumped down on me, right? Then the words keep coming and the snake is wrapping around me, getting smaller and smaller and smaller. 
So doing all of that, she's expecting to suck the life out of me. And at the same time, I'm going to pay her to go on to the show. You understand what I'm saying? So it was kind of like a two-part thing. And it's the same thing with Paul and Silas. Had they play, uh, paid the slave girl any attention to what she was saying? Because what she was saying was true. They were prophetic uh, men of God, right? Of the most high God, right? They were doing the right thing. They already knew that. And this is not to be prideful. The Lord already <laughs> gives you through the spirit of discernment and intuition, all of that, through the Holy Spirit's promptness. He already lets us know after a while what it is we're gifted at and what we've been called to do. So if we've been called to do something, right? Let's just say, for example, the Lord has called you to write books and you've been writing books for, um, who knows, let's just say five to 10 years. Somebody with the Python spirit comes along and then starts saying, yes, this is what God wants you to do. He wants you to write books. You're very uh, prolific. You're an avid reader. Your vocabulary is good. And they start saying all those different things that you're already doing and that you already know and that the Holy Spirit has already confirmed. You're going to be more so annoyed, especially when that message comes out empty, if that makes sense. So sometimes with the uh, Python spirit, the message will come out empty. And if the message doesn't come out empty, you might have a spirit of being annoyed and grieved inside of your soul. One of the two and start becoming suspicious. So, you know, if if the message is coming out empty and they're telling you stuff that's obvious. Right. And you're becoming grieved and or suspicious in your soul and you've getting all of this overwhelming energy along with it. The energy may or may not come. This woman must have really been like top level witch because of the energy that was coming out. So it could be any and all of the above. But if it's something you already know and it's empty or, you know, making you suspicious, it's like, no, this, this is not of God. And that's why in scripture it says to test the spirits, right? So uh, Paul and Simon said, oh, really? Oh, that's what you think about us? They didn't even feed into it. They just got annoyed. And I guess Saul, uh, uh, Paul probably said after a while, Paul was Saul, right? Paul probably said after a while, I, I got to figure out how to get rid of this spirit because I can't deal with this. This had gone on for several days. Finally, that was when he said, in the name of Jesus, come out of her, that type of thing, right? And so, like I said, we just got to be careful with different things that we get ourselves caught up in. And a lot of times it's because of our vulnerabilities, being a prophetic person, right? Uh, distractions, right? And that's another thing to destroy our calling, destroy our prayer life, destroy um our intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit, right? And then we got those father wounds, right? And then another thing that will attract this Python spirit is when you're going through uh, trials and you got a wilderness season, right? You're grieving family members who've gone on with the Lord. You're going through financial problems, right? You're being prepared for your calling and you didn't think that this was the way that it was going to be, right? You became disillusioned. You're dealing with disappointment, you're dealing with uh, discouragement. You're dealing with disillusionment. You're dealing with despair. You're dealing with discontentment, all those deeds, right? And so what happens is that makes you open and vulnerable for you to be attacked by the Python spirit. You're dealing with a lot. You probably got a little bit of that victim mentality slash self-pity going on in there. Oh my goodness. I'm the only one that's dealing with this stuff. Oh, and you got all your other friends who got issues too. Everything has happened to me, you know, becoming like how Jacob... Uh, was when, uh, what's his name? I want to say it was Simeon that they left back when Joseph said, go get your brothers. And Jacob's like, no, I'm not sending Benjamin. He was like, everything is happening to me. Not forgetting, thinking about the fact that even if everything was happening to him about the reaping and sowing, that law of reciprocity, right? So you get into that, you know, when we're going through stuff, a little bit is natural for healing. And when we're going through things like, man, everything's happened to me. I can't pay my bills. And and my family members are dying and, and and I just don't know what to do. And I thought the calling season was going to 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 uh, to, to uh, not be like this. This wilderness season was going to end sooner than it is. Oh, my gosh, I don't know what to do. And when we get in that mindset, we've opened ourselves up to being vulnerable for a Python spirit to come in. OK, and then what happens is we've opened ourselves up to some straight demonic warfare without even realizing, especially with self-pity. Self-pity has the word self in front of it, right? You only focus on what's going on with you, right? Everybody else have issues. Even if it's not the same, 
We're not having a contest comparing who's hurting the most. If you're in pain, you're in pain, right? Like 20 women in a room having a meeting there in the support group about narcissistic abuse. And we're, you, we're trying to decide who has had uh, the most narcissistic abuse. That's not, it's not going to be uh, beneficial to anyone in the group to do that, right? To kind of rank pain, so to speak, right? And so what happens is that all of this stuff is going on. You got going on, right? And then somebody uh, comes into one of your DMs on social media, any of those platforms, and they start giving you some numbers and figures that is no way in the world anybody should know about you, right? They start running those things off. And then what they do, they start saying stuff like, yeah, you know, I'm a prophet just like you are, you know. I have been uh, divinely appointed and uh, I can do a lot of different readings and stuff like that. Does that sound like what's going on with you? They'll read numbers to you. They'll start telling you that, um, yeah, this is going, they might mention a few things that's actually categories of what it is you're dealing with, right? So they're hoping that you'll engage. Does it sound like that, that my reading was correct? They're hoping that you engage and notice Paul and Silas did not engage with that slave girl who kept saying that, okay? What he did is figured out what he needed to do and went and called it out of her. He didn't play with that spirit. It's not anything to play with. And so what happened is once they start saying that, do that sound like that's right? Did I get a right reading? When they start talking about readings and love and light along with the readings and all that kind of stuff and start mentioning things, that's similar to what you're going through. They're trying to do like that old prophet over in first Kings, that man of God has gone over to Bethel to warn King Jeroboam about idolatry, how he was sinning and in turn causing the Israelites to sin, right? To sin against God, right? And so the man of God was sent there to warn King Jeroboam, like this is what's going to happen. All these ashes and people are going to be burnt on this altar if you don't stop. He went over to Bethel. This old prophet came along and convinced the man of God, like, oh, I'm a prophet just like you are. He was older, right? This old prophet was, he was elderly. And what do you have in your mind when you see uh, people that's elderly? You think, what? I need to respect my elders, right? So it's like, oh, I'm a prophet like you are. So he lied to the prophet about what God has supposedly said. Number Python. Remember, it starts off with the mouth. Python snakes catch you with their mouths. Then they wrap around. So people that have the Python spirit, just like with the narcissistic men, they catch you with their words. Then they wrap around. And like I said, unless you're a transitional supply, it's a slow burn. So when you come out of the narcissistic abusive relationship, you are a shell of the person that you were. That's what's sucking the life out of you. Literally looks like, right? And so what happens is that if you're going through all that wilderness season, you're having financial problems, family members are dying, all this kind of stuff is going on, you're in that victim mentality nine times out of 10. You're going through, right? Not in every case, but you, you just, you're struggling at that time, right? And so you are just trying to keep things as is. And because you're disappointed and disillusioned, as far as your wilderness season, it opens the door. So when somebody sends you messages, Oh, this is what I'm getting to read. It's took, taking me a while, but this is my reading on you. When they start with that stuff, mm -mm. <laughs> as soon as you open it up and agree, yes, that's, that's some of what I'm dealing with. You've opened the door to having the life sucked out of you, right? Because they capture you with whatever comes out of their mouth, whether it's doing that name dropping and the figures like that businesswoman did to me, or if it's calling themselves prophesying and saying to you what the Lord told them. Everybody that's spiritual is not godly, okay? We have to keep that in mind. So what will happen is that, like with that the um, old prophet and the man of God, you got the life sucked out of you, right? Because you're thinking somebody's finally listened to me. God must have, you know, he must have gone somewhere because I feel like he's not hearing me because I'm going through this stuff, right? Your mind just start going all that kind of place, right? And so that person comes into your DMs. They say a few things that sound... Like, you know, it's, it's dealing with the areas that you're struggling. Trust me, the devil gives people information too. I promise you that, right? It starts sounding good. And then next thing you know, not only have they sucked the life out of you, 
you've given them like five to $10,000 for them to keep telling you stuff that's going to happen. And some of that stuff might be true. It's not of God. And that's where your spiritual life force has come out of you. You start becoming like I was doing smaller and smaller as that lady was talking because it's the words that suck you, right? And then what happens when you get that uh, Python spirit, some people exhibit, uh, they start feeling really weak and extremely fatigued, okay? Some people feel very overwhelmed when that, like when that lady was talking to me, right? You got some people that for some reason they can't pray, they can't worship, none of that. They don't want to do any of that, right? And then some people, they say, even become religiously delusional. They'll start mixing all kind of stuff together. Satan has got to their minds by them getting caught up in that Python spirit, right? Just think about it. Even with some of the TV preachers, if you send me $2,500, I'll send you the oil and then give you a prophetic message. So anytime there has to be exchanged, that's not of God. That's the Python spirit, right? And so, like I said, another thing too, when you're in your waiting season and God has not given you the next step, you can become very cynical. You can have that spirit of cynicism running through, right? You're complaining. You're idolizing what you see other people doing. You're idolizing their highlight reels on, from Instagram, right? They're in the same calling as you. And, you know, you guess, well, it, it just don't make sense to even keep going right now because uh, to even read my Bible, pray, because look at this person, you know, they just have become an overnight success when we don't even know that person's whole entire journey, how long they've been working on whatever, or any of that, right? But we're just assuming you're setting yourself up for the Python spirit, okay? And then, like I said, with uh, Paul and Silas and that one slave girl that came over to them, when you don't stop and think about the fact that somebody's so-called prophecy is things you've been doing for a while and that you already know about yourself, but they're using that to pull you in. I got a word for you. This is what the Lord told me to tell you. Setting yourself up because... What that means is that you've got itching ears when you're just so intent, like in your soul and spirit, your soul is lusting for a word. For, that's that itching ears part, right? When you don't uh, put in check the unchecked cravings, they turn into lust. That lust for changes over to a took for, which means it's not God ordained. And then the took for means what? You're heading into a soul tie door unknowingly, right? So what happens is that not only is that individual uh, so-called giving you a word, they've swindled you out of money, money and sucked the life out of you at the same time, right? When you've been slacking off in prayer and meditation time for the Lord and you, uh, you're you tired of healing from narcissistic abuse, you're tired of the, the length of time it's taken, right? You see five other people who probably had uh, been in their relationships two to five years you and yours 15, you want the same miracle they got, so to speak, right? You were in it longer, but you expect to be where they are. You get tired of waiting, so all of a sudden you go out and look for an energy healer or some of that sort. You get desperate and start Googling, right? And then that person, once again, starts with their mouth. Is this what's going on? Is this what's going on? Is this what's going on, right? And they might even have some other details that nobody else should know about. And then you feeling comforted, right? And that's giving you a false sense of safety and security. You're setting yourself up for the Python spirit. And then even Saul set himself up uh, for the Python spirit. He decided he wanted to uh, pull, what's his name? Samuel up in order to find out what was going on with him. And then you might figure, think to yourself, why in the world would Saul do that? <laughs> it was several reasons why he did that, okay? The main thing is that God has stopped talking to him, okay? It says, by this time, and I'm reading in verse 3 of the 28th chapter of 1 Samuel, okay? It says, by this time, Samuel had died. All Israel had mourned for him and buried him in Ramah, his city. And Saul had removed the mediums and spirituals from the land. The Philistines gathered and camped at Shunem. So Saul gathered all Israel, and they camped at Gilboa. When Saul saw the Philistine camp, he was afraid and his heart pounded. He inquired of the Lord, but the Lord did not answer him in dreams or by the Urim or by the prophets. Saul then said to his servants, find me a woman who is a medium so I can go and consult her. His servants replied, there is a woman at Endor who is a medium. So that's a, 
uh, python spirit. Saul disguised himself by putting on different clothes and set out with two of his men. They came to the woman at night and Saul said, consult a spirit for me. Bring up for me the one I tell you. But the woman said to him, you surely know what Saul has done. How he has cut off the mediums and spirits from the land. Why are you setting a trap for me to get me killed? So she's letting him know like Saul had already banned this in the land. Why are you coming to me and asking me to do this? Right? And so then it says, then Saul swore to her by the Lord, tongue tied there, as surely as the Lord lives, no punishment will come to you from this. Who is it that you want me to bring up for you? The woman asked. So at this point, she still doesn't know she's talking to Saul because remember, he has taken off his clothes and put on some other clothes, right? Bring up Samuel for me, he answered. When the woman saw Samuel, she screamed. And then she asked Saul, why did you deceive me? You are Saul. So isn't that something? When he brought, when he asked her to bring up Samuel, something about Samuel being brought up, let this woman with this uh, python spirit know that that was Saul who was disguising himself. You see how it works? She wasn't a godly woman, but she had what? So-called spiritual gifting, right? When the woman saw Samuel, she screamed. Okay, I read that part. But the king said to her, don't be afraid. What do you see? So Saul wanted to know what was she seeing, right? She said, I see a spirit coming up out of the earth. Then Saul asked her, what does he look like? An old man is coming up. She replied, he's wearing a robe. Then Saul knew that it was Samuel. And he knelt low with his face to the ground and paid homage. Why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? Samuel asked Saul. I'm in serious trouble, replied Saul. The Philistines are fighting against me and God has turned away from me. He doesn't answer me anymore, either through the prophets or in dreams. So I've called on you to tell me what I should do. Now, God stopped talking to Saul, right? Because he was rebellious and did what he wanted to do. Saul was a narcissist. But he goes to a medium, right? This woman who has the spirit of divination slash python spirit. He goes to her and he had already counseled all of them out of the land. But he goes to her because God is not talking to him. So see, when we are in desperate situations, we do desperate things and we open ourselves up to these spirits, right? Okay, so then let's see what Samuel says. Samuel answers, since the Lord has turned away from you and has become your enemy, why are you asking me? The Lord has done exactly what he said through me. The Lord has torn the kingdom out of your hands and given it to your neighbor, David. You did not obey the Lord and did not carry out his burning anger against Amalek. So he's basically letting him know, like, what you bothering me for? <laughs> right. You didn't do what you're supposed to do. You acted in rebellion. Right. Which a lot of narcissists do. They don't come up under any authority. And that's rebellion. Right. And so he says, therefore, the Lord has done this to you today. The Lord will also hand Israel over to the Philistines along with you. Tomorrow, you and your sons will be with me and the Lord will hand Israel's army over to the Philistines. Immediately, Saul fell flat on the ground. He was terrified by Samuel's words and was also weak because he had not eaten anything all day and all night. So basically what this prophet, this uh, not prophet, it was a false prophet, right? This woman that had the spirit, uh, the python spirit in her, right? The spirit of python. And she was able to do that. And he let him know, like, tomorrow you're going to be where I am. Like, you you about to be dead. You and your sons. You see what I'm saying? And so what happens is that he didn't want to hear that, I'm quite sure. That's not what it was that he wanted to hear. But he got what he asked for, right? And sometimes when we have a lust for, and it leads to and asked for, then we're thinking no more. <laughs> okay. Right. But it, it's too late. A lot of times when we get to the no more, we've had too much of it. Like with the narcissistic man, we lusted for him, right? We asked God for him because we were thinking that that was our soulmate. Right. And then it's like, I, I don't want any more of you. Matter of fact, I can't get away from you fast enough because you have literally destroyed my life on all levels. Right. And so what happens, like I said, when healing is going much slower than you plan, you're desperate for change without doing the work because you want to compare your healing with your friend's healing, right? You want to have drive-through healing where you're in there instead of ordering up 
uh, two boxes of chicken nuggets and a large fry at McDonald's, right? Then you want to order up 50 years of trauma, right, in three months. And that's not how it goes. So either you're doing that or you're asking for a $5 fill up. And the $5 fill up is when you are uh, going to the therapist for whatever one problem, one or two, I'll say, I'll even give you three. It might be three things going on at that time. So you go to the therapist just to help you to work that out. And you know that all of that stuff is tied all the way back to childhood, but you refuse to go there. That's a $5 fill up because what happens when you put $5 of gas in your car, you're going to keep running on empty. It's going to keep taking you back home, like playing a board game, right? You're going to keep going back home having to call for emergency roadside assistance. You're going to go a little bit further and then you're going to have to keep calling, right? You have to keep going back instead of just going all the way back and coming all the way ahead, right? That's how healing works, right? And so what happens is, like I said, when you want a quick and fast resolution to healing, you're going to get a quick and fast resolution and that's going to be what? Opening yourself up to the Python spirit and they're going to get you through the words, either that name dropping and figures and all of that to try to make you feel real smart. They're going to start wrapping their body around or either start all of a sudden trying to call themselves reading you, right? One of two things is going to come out, right? And so what ended up happening with uh, Paul and Silas, these men, they got mad. As I read, they got mad because it's like, okay, this was our livelihood. We will make money off this slave girl who had the Python spirit in us. Now we don't have another way to make money. So they got mad, right? Because Paul and Silas didn't play with that spirit and caused themselves to get the life sucked out of them and pay for her services. What they did is that they took, they got that demon out of her, right? They got it right on out of there, right? By speaking the words of God and doing what? In the name of Jesus, right? And so they were mad. And so instead of them just blowing it off, they had to try to humiliate Paul and Silas by stripping their clothes off, beating them with rods, and then putting them in jail. And that's the same thing that these individuals will want to do to you. And they also not just did that themselves, they got the crowds of people around to join in. So when you don't entertain the Python spirit and you try to tangle with it and all of that, and you call it out from what it is, don't be surprised if they try to humiliate you by slandering your name, right? And doing a smear campaigning, recruiting other people to come and say the same false things about you. That's how the Python spirit works, right? And when they slander and humiliate like they did with Paul and Silas, it's more like that mob action type of thing. Think about that. They ain't did nothing wrong, right? But stopped that inappropriate spirit that was in her, stopped that from distracting them, from annoying them, from grieving them and almost sucking the life out of them, right? That's what they did. They took care of it through spiritual warfare, right? But because her owners were making money off of her, they figured, okay, we got something for you. We're going we to humiliate you. See what I'm saying? In front of everybody is what we're going to do. So you got to get out of there. You have got to get out of there to rebuke it. And you got to get yourself out of there, right? When you're distracted from being, from praying, praising God and all of that kind of stuff, that's when it's going to come in. So you might be wondering, well, if I think I have the Python spirit on me, how do I get it out? We get it out by doing the same thing that Paul and Silas did, right? As they were in jail because they got put in jail after they stripped them out of their clothes, beat them with rods, they put them in jail. They got out because they were praying and, and praising and, and, and praising the Lord and singing praises to God, right? Just praying and praising and singing. That's what got them out. So the very thing that that spirit is trying to prevent from you, you've got to like bump it up and try to find some kind of way, find the will to do that, to get that up off of you. And like I said, I had to lay hands on myself literally when I got done with that conversation uh, with that woman on Zoom, right? So you're going to have to pray and praise and lay hands in order to release it, right? And so I've got one set of scriptures I want to end with today. And these scriptures are over in Proverbs. And it trips me out because as I was reading it last night, I said, oh, wow. And I was taking notes in my Bible. I said, this is the viper and the python spirit for sure. So in Proverbs 1, I'm going to read from 10 through 19. Okay. My son, if sinners entice you, don't be persuaded. If they say, come with us. Let's set an ambush and kill someone. 
Let's attack some innocent person just for fun. That's a viper, right? We talked about that last week. Then it says, let's swallow them alive like show, whole, like those who go down to the pit. That's the python spirit, right? Pythons attack you with their mouths, right? They wrap around you with their bodies and then they swallow you whole, okay? The next one, I'm in 13, verse 13. We'll find all kinds of valuable property and fill our houses with plunder. Throw in your lot with us and we'll share the loot. My son, don't travel. Uh, let's see what I mean. My son, don't travel that road with them. So that means that, look, along with that, this being the Python spirit, they want to have some type of profit. As I said with that lady, she wanted me to come and serve, right? To give her a free service at the same time, she wants to make money off of me, right? As I'm sitting there being sucked, uh, trying to have my spiritual life sucked out of me. Same thing with Paul and Silas. That slave girl was hoping that they would interact with what she was saying so she can pull them in and she can make money. Her, her owners could make money off of her through Paul and Silas, right? Because this is a profit. We'll find all kinds of valuable property. Fill our houses with plunder. Throw in your lot with us and we'll share the loot. My son, don't travel down that road with them or set foot on their path because their feet run toward evil and they hurry to shed blood. It's useless to spread a net where any bird can see it. Then it says, but they can set an ambush to kill themselves. That's that viper again. They attack their own lives. Those are vipers, right? That means that what? That law of reciprocity takes place, right? That means that what? We're going to reap what we sow, whether it's good or bad, right? Such are the paths of all who make profit dishonestly. Back to the python spirit. The python and the vipers, <laughs> a lot of times they can hang out together, believe it or not. And it can be in one person. It takes the lives of those who receive it. Once again, I'm going to read those last two lines from verse 19 of Proverbs 1. Such are the paths of all who make profit dishonestly. Okay, and that's that Python spirit. It takes the lives of those who receive it. So it's like you think you're doing something by sucking the life out of those individuals and profiting off of it. At the same time, your life is also being sucked out. Why? Right? We reap what we have sown. You see what I'm saying? And in the world, we know that they say, right, with karma, what goes around comes around, right? So I just want to remind you that we uh, we go according to our ATI-I method, right? We're analyzing, we're troubleshooting, we're implementing, and we're empowering so we can make an impact. That means we're impacting the women in our homes. Then we're impacting the women in the community. And then we're impacting the world, right? So if there's anything that was of value for you today, if you heard, if you could just hit the like button, if you can share with a friend, family member, uh, co-worker, it could be your mom or dad, whoever you feel that might be helped and might be blessed by it, right? And then if you have questions about being able to uh, donate to Valley of Grace Ministries so that uh, we can keep on providing different things for you, all of that information is right in the uh, description and in the show notes, right? Remember, you are enough. Reclaim your power, soul, and identity today. And then reclaim the power, soul, and identity of your calling. Grab your keys to the kingdom and then get your inheritance. My name is Katina Horton. I'm the Love and Freedom Toxic Relationship Recovery Coach. Until next time, love you ladies. God bless.
love that refines So much for me 